0: Welcome to episode 78 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, I am here, uh, John Payne, uh, the senior pastor of Christ Church, with my uh, dear friend and fellow uh, church member, Dr. Gabriel Williams. We are here at 104 uh, Broad Street uh, at the Christ Church offices and it is good to be back here in the saddle.
1: It's very good to be back.
0: It has been... How long has it been, Gabe, since our last episode? Uh,
1: I'm thinking it's been since around mid-December, oh so before goodness. Christmas.
0: Wow. Well, it's been... Uh, Quite a busy few months. Yes, it has (laughs) been. Very, very, very very busy. Understatement of the year. (laughs) We've had a lot of changes. Uh, One of those has been a a very exciting development in your own uh, career and uh, in in academia. Uh, You have um, reached tenure.
1: Yes, I have.
0: Tell us about that. Sure. So, uh, Remind us where you serve and what you do. So I'm at
1: the College of Charleston, which is a urban campus downtown in Charleston. And I'm a physics uh, faculty member there. And I've been in Charleston for about uh, six years. And so at the end of your fifth year, you begin to do your standard procedure to uh, go for tenure and promotion from an, as- an assistant professor to an associate professor. And that is essentially what I've done over the last uh, six months or so. One of the reasons why I've been gone is because I've been doing tenure and promotion work. And so on, I think, the beginning of March, I found out that I did receive tenure. And Mm -hmm. so that means that, one, uh, there's a promotion in the job, but two, it means that we are well settled in Charleston as a
0: result. Which we are very pleased about. (laughs) Amen. We are thankful. We uh, certainly were praying about this for the last couple of years, and uh, the Mm -hmm. Lord has been Uh, very gracious uh, and what an encouragement it must be to you with all the hard work you've done over the last few years and (laughs) publishing articles and uh, that's right uh, so that's really really exciting yeah and things have have been busy around the church a lot has changed in the church in the last five months or so uh, since we
1: last gotten started with between the times and so we've had uh, transitions between different members moving we've had some coming in we've started a lot of different things. We have elders and deacons in training, so there's been a lot of new things going on.
0: Right, and of course, one of the biggest transitions (laughs) is Mm -hmm. with our dear associate pastor, uh, Ross Hodges, who has uh, been a uh, a part of this podcast uh, for the last few years, and he is uh, moving on. Um, We were hoping to get a chance to talk to him today, but he's so overwhelmed with the move, and uh, they're actually heading out just after the service on Sunday. And so uh, we will miss Ross and Joanna and the kids very much. Um, Ross has been such a, a faithful uh, a pastor and friend uh, and um, so thankful for his service uh, to the flock here over the last six years. Uh, many of our listeners may not know that, that Ross uh, and Joanna came with Marla and me to plant this church. So we've, we've right. been laboring at this together from day one. That's right. And so it's going to be very uh, strange, really, <laughs> very, very for very the strange. office next to me to be empty. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, But uh, anyway, we, we are trusting the Lord with this. Ross is uh, leaving uh, after receiving a call to his home church, uh, Eastwood PCA, in Montgomery, Alabama. And uh, he will be serving there as an associate pastor um, under the longtime pastor there. He's been there for... Uh, 23 years, and wow. so he'll come in and assist uh, with the preaching, with the uh, discipleship, um, and all various other kinds of, of uh, ministry responsibilities there, and will certainly be a, a, a big blessing. Of course, Ross's uh, mom and dad are there. His dad right. serves as an elder in the church, mm-hmm. and uh, Milton Hodges and his, his mom, Lane, just a wonderful couple, and then his brother, Bo, and his wife, and their yeah. four kids are there. And then there's a, a wonderful Christian school that's attached to Eastwood PCA. And so a lot of the a lot of it really makes sense uh, for right. Ross and Joanna with the, the little ones. They, uh, Many of our listeners will, will will perhaps know, maybe some don't know, they've adopted four, actually five, children in yeah. the last five years. Right. And uh, one of those was a contested adoption, and uh, they lost their little girl. Um, uh, and that was a very difficult situation. But still have four little ones. Uh, I think the oldest just turned four. That's right. And so yeah. it's basically four. Four under four. Under four, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so Joanna has had her hands full, and um, it makes really a lot of sense, uh, though we don't like it selfishly. It That's makes nice. a lot of sense that they've received and taken this call. And we'll go back to serve in his home church. So we wish them so well, and we'll be praying for them. We'll say goodbye to them this Sunday. That's right. And uh, part of the busyness, of course, has been with the advisory pastoral search committee as we look mm-hmm. for a new assistant pastor, uh, which we have our eyes set on uh, two men right now that are uh, very highly qualified candidates, very gifted And uh, we'll see one of them come in next weekend, Mm. and then the second one come in the following weekend, and they'll both preach uh, in the evening service while they are here, and uh, we will work through whether or not they are, uh, which one will be called, or neither of them. We're just waiting to see how the Lord leads, and uh, asking for wisdom and prayer in that process. That's
1: right. And so we, as all congregations do, we... Mourn the fact that we lose a godly man as Ross and a godly family. But we also know that when the Lord sends one of his children away, he always supplies the needs for his congregations. And so we're, in that case, very hopeful that uh, what God has planted here in Charleston will continue. And prayerfully, that means you, John, will get somewhat more assistance not having to shoulder the entire church on pair <laughs> <bare> shoulders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, they are not that broad. Um, yes, uh, we've we've also had uh, a lot of new initiatives, ministry in this initiatives mm-hmm. within the church in the last couple of months. Uh, it's been been exciting. We, um, of course, you mentioned Gabe that we've uh, we've been uh, training uh, new officers, and God willing, we'll see new elders and deacons being. Uh, voted upon and, God willing, uh, uh, ordained and installed uh, here in the next uh, month or so. Um, we have seen uh, new Bible studies starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also started a small group ministry, yes, and we, we want to talk about that a little bit later, and particularly as it relates to public worship. Um, so, yeah, just lots going on. Um, w- of course, we've got the building program going on. And, That's right. Uh, that, that little old <laughs> thing called the uh, building program where there are like a constellation of, of responsibilities uh, of always floating around and uh, lots of business with that, raising money. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and you've benefited from the ministry of Christ Church Presbyterian, uh, please know that we are raising money and, and we are... Um, hoping to get into a building of our own for the first time and uh, we are just really excited about that possibility. We're looking at a building at 486 Wando Park Boulevard in Mount Pleasant and converting that uh, warehouse facility into a beautiful sanctuary and, and mm-hmm. classrooms and uh, it's really exciting. Go to our Facebook page or our website to see the the plans and um, so lots going on. We appreciate your prayers and uh, today I think we wanted to talk um uh, as we as we kind of get back into things mm-hmm. uh, here on the podcast, we wanted to talk about public worship. That's right. And so
1: when we well we'll first start with a, a simple kind of point here. I think it's been rather common in our kind of American evangelical world to think of. Discipleship is something that is required to have a one-to-one, one-on-one interaction where you have an older man paired with a younger man or an older woman paired with a younger woman and you meet together with coffee maybe once or twice a week. You go through a book together and the hopes is that you kind of pull each other up along the way. And one of the things that comes out from the New Testament is Although that's how we tend to do things today, that's not quite the model that we see in the scriptures.
0: No, 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 it's not. Um, and, and really, that's the when, when when you say discipleship. I mean, if our, if our listeners can just hear that word discipleship, what is the first thing you think of? And the answer is uh, this image that Gabe has just painted for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the older man or older woman with the younger man or younger woman Mm -hmm. uh, sort of pouring their life uh, into them and uh, uh, moving through a a book or or walking through a a, a section of the scriptures, uh, talking about life experiences. And uh, in in no way, shape, or form are we saying that that's not discipleship. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is discipleship. Uh, But I I think what we want to talk about on this uh, episode is that that's discipleship with a small D mm-hmm. and not with a capital D. That's right. So um, it's something I've been thinking about uh, a bit over the last couple of months. I, I was asked to write an article for the Banner of Truth magazine, and this was the subject that I thought, you know, I want to I think about this a little, a little harder uh, because it, 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 it's, it's intuitive mm-hmm. that Lord's Day worship um, particularly as we understand the Sabbath and morning and evening worship, it's intuitive that this would be the main sort of theater of discipleship where God uh, disciples, mm-hmm. teaches, corrects, trains, rebukes, forms and fashions his, his redeemed. Mm-hmm. But it would seem that uh, particularly... Um, in the 20th century, we've seen a kind of refashioning uh, of the, the, the understanding of discipleship through the uh, parachurch uh, ministries, um, and, and why is that? Well, it makes a lot of sense, uh, because in the early 20th century, we saw liberalism uh, really um, Emerge yeah, in a yeah. very significant way. Of course it was taking place in the 19th century and way back. Mm-hmm. It goes way back. Uh, people have been questioning the scriptures since the garden. <laughs> of course. <laughs> did, uh, did God really say? Yeah. Um, but what we see, particularly in America in the early 20th century, we see the mainline churches embracing uh, German higher criticism in the seminaries. Pastors are no longer believing in the inerrancy of scripture. Mm-hmm. They're questioning the efficacy of Scripture, the uh, the veracity of Scripture, the the, the inerrancy of Scripture, and and, uh, and so and the infallibility of Scripture. And so, um, what happened was you had sort of zealous church members within these churches where the pastors were questioning uh, the the uh, inerrancy of the Word, and they weren't preaching the Word faithfully. And so they began to set up parachurch organizations for the purpose of Evangelism, for instance, yeah. um, for the purpose of discipleship, for the purpose of teaching. In other words, Protestants sort of connecting cross-denominationally to say, "Hey, we believe the Bible, uh, and uh, we we believe that souls need to be saved, and we're not buying all this liberal garbage." Uh, um, and so you have organizations starting like uh, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, mm-hmm. uh, Christianity Today magazine, mm-hmm. which used to be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you have the establishing uh, of the Navigators, mm-hmm. uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, and, uh, and on and on we could yeah. go. Mm-hmm. Well, the Navigators in particular, which started in 1933, was the kind of gold label Discipleship organization. In fact, even to this day, they have "quote unquote" missionaries that are in towns that raise all their own support, and their their calling is just to disciple people. "Quote unquote." Mm-hmm. These people aren't even ordained. Many no. of them. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying that they're not good people, um, and that they don't love the Lord, and that they're not uh, that they don't have strong Bible knowledge. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm trying to make the case here and make the point. That the reason why when someone hears the word discipleship, they think of one-on-one or small groups mm-hmm. is because of the way the navigators and and um, parachurch organizations like it have reframed the understanding because they're not the church. Yes, right. Hence, they don't have the large group meeting Um, on the Lord's Day, administering the sacraments, preaching and all of that. It's Mm -hmm. it's things taking place in the community, in the coffee shops, in the Mm -hmm. the living rooms and all of that. Well, interestingly, when I was working on this article, um, I went on the Navigator's website. Mm -hmm. And again, the Navigator's is doing a lot of wonderful things. and I praise Mm -hmm. the Lord for that. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, in the About section Mm -hmm. of the Navigator's website, which is a beautiful website, there's nothing about the church there. Mm -hmm under the core values, um, under the purpose and all of these things, the church and the means of grace are hmm. almost not mentioned at all. Oh. And so you, sa- you think about that for a minute, Gabe. Here we have the Great Commission, which says, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Mm-hmm. Go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples. Amen. That's the mandate for the church is to mm-hmm. make disciples. That's right. So it's a big deal, like, what discipleship is. And yet, the main discipleship parachurch organization since the 1930s it says nothing about the church. Mm. Even though in the Great Commission it continues and it says, And baptize yeah, in the name of the right. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach all that I have commanded. And then you have to ask then, what did the apostles do for the entire book of Acts? they right. plant church the churches that's right and they sh- go and then they come back around and they strengthen, strengthen the, the church churches mm-hmm. over and over again and so this idea is what we want to kind of unpack a little bit on this episode the idea of worship being discipleship that lords day worship is discipleship mm-hmm. so let's unpack that for a few minutes sure so that, when i
1: think about one of the basic goals of worship you can say one of the things that, one of the images that comes to my mind is how Jesus describes himself to his disciples. And so the picture that sometimes comes up from some is that the disciples served Jesus and they more or less uh, gave him their honor, worship, and etc. And one of the things that John chapter 14 discusses is that Jesus is among them not as merely Lord and Master, but he's among them as their servant. He is the one washing their feet. He is the one instructing them and guiding them. And when you think of what corporate worship is, it is Christ's presence in the actual assembly of his people, in the gathered congregation. And he is among us, not merely as Lord, but as servant. He is serving us by sanctifying us and transforming us, which is why... Feeding us. Feeding us. And this is why, foundationally, if you once the you can say the real deal of discipleship so to speak you can't skip the corporate worship and jump to the small group or to the coffee shop the foundational aspect is that when the christian is regenerate by the spirit of god and they come they are not coming to god on their own they're being added to the church yes. and they're brought to the church and then yes. the lord jesus serves them and purifies and sanctifies them and grows them up yes and that's how you see that in jesus own words and that's also how you see it and how worship is
0: described in the new testament epistles amen amen and you are touching upon this um, but let's just make it clear what worship is Mm. and what worship is not Uh, worship is not an evangelistic crusade meeting amen this is what we see in our day, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you can understand now mm-hmm. why the typical evangelical would say, "Oh, worship is not discipleship because worship is where we save the, souls," <laughs> or <laughs> worship is where we have all the new measures happening, where no, there is yeah. the praise bands mm-hmm. and the, the the loud music and the the, the skits mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know the the pastor kind of trying to. Um, connect with the unbelievers there, and so what? 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 It, what? The new kind of evangelical worship service has become has become a kind of crusade meeting. Mm. It's a, it's a meeting between God and unbelievers and believers. Mm. Okay. But where in the world do you see that in the Bible? Exactly. Where in the world do you see worship described as the covenant, the holy covenant, God meeting with unbelievers? Now, yeah. if it's true that there will be unbelievers in the midst mm-hmm. of a gathered church, um, and uh, which is why we want things to be orderly and understandable. And, and then we see these principles in the scripture. Mm-hmm. But worship, properly understood, is a meeting between the covenant God and His covenant people.
1: That's right.
0: But the second thing is that uh, what worship is not um, is it's not a time for sanctified entertainment. Uh, to, to showcase the talents of the pastors or the musicians yeah. um, which we see a lot in our day as well and so so it's not that um, it shouldn't be that nor is public worship an informal fellowship meeting of, 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 of the of the the people of God to kind of energize each other for social action or mm-hmm. or, or, or some kind of a a service opportunity um, but these emphases have become all too familiar in the church today so mm-hmm. so what is someone who has the the impulse, what I would say is a Holy Spirit impulse, to recognize that we need to go deeper mm-hmm. than what we just described. Yeah. What's their impulse? Well, it's to start a small group mm-hmm. and to get serious and to have some serious teaching and mm-hmm. discipleship. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you see what's happening. The church is failing in a different way today than it was mm. in the early uh, 1900s. Mm-hmm. In the early 1900s, they were failing by becoming liberal. Mm-hmm. Now we're failing by completely missing out on what a worship service is meant to be, which is discipleship, so that you have untrained, untheologically trained people saying, I know I'm supposed to get more serious about the Lord here. And so we'll have our little small group over here, and then we're going to get discipleship here, even though we're never going to get it at the church. Yeah. That becomes a problem for all kinds of reasons.
1: Well, you think about the concept of the church within the church that has happened over the centuries. And it's it's not uniquely 21st century, but we seem to have a a problematic or a program way of doing that uh, in our sense in terms of how we gear larger worship meeting towards kind of the lowest common person who would hear. So that means... There are certain topics you wouldn't discuss openly and publicly because you don't want to scare off the unbeliever who's listening. And then for the serious Christian, there's Sunday school, perhaps, which you've talked about another time. Wasn't meant for Christians, (laughs) but there's Sunday school. then for the more serious Christian, there's the Bible study. Then for the even more serious Christian, there's the uh, you know Theology Society or their book club. And so you get spheres, you get yeah. outer edge people, and then you go in. And the concept is you're building a, you're giving the impression that you have churches within churches within churches within churches. Right. And it's no longer, therefore, what is the corporate body of christ doing yeah, yeah. or what is the yeah. how are we gathering together What's the purpose yeah. for it we're now splintering yeah. in multiple different directions
0: and what do we see in acts 242
1: we see that they're all gathered together they're all devoted to the same thing yes to the word to, well the preaching of the word the hearing of the word to the prayers and to the fellowship yes. and the breaking of bread yes. we know exactly what they were called so, to do
0: word sacraments and prayer amen and so, so biblical worship is not sanctified entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's not a time to get people charged up about the programs of the church. Mm-hmm. It's not to showcase the talents of the pastors and the mm-hmm. musicians and the, the, the actors and actresses in the congregation. Mm-hmm. Biblical worship, understood properly, is a sacred meeting between God and his covenant people. Mm-hmm. It's where Christ, through his word and spirit, matures his disciples. In other words, worship is the sacred context wherein the ascended Christ himself informs, feeds, nourishes, comforts, and fortifies the faith of his flock through the ordinary means of grace. And in worship, God is not just present. He's not just present with us in public worship. He is active among us through his word, sacraments, and prayer. So Lord's Day worship is intended to be no less Than the salvific inbreaking of the greater eternal realities of the kingdom of God into the lesser temporal realities of the kingdom Mm. of man. It's the workshop of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Uh, And not just another meeting of the church. It's where disciples are made. Why would we want to marginalize this idea when we have properly understood that While God is everywhere, He's omnipresent, He is in a very special way with His people, Mm -hmm. particularly on His special day, the Lord's Mm -hmm. Day, with His special people, the Church, Mm -hmm. with His special men who are called apart to preach the Word of God Mm -hmm. and to administer the sacraments with with the special means of word, water, and bread, Mm -hmm. and and wine. Uh, so all of these things are sacred and set apart for this very purpose of discipling the people of God. So why would we want to shift that to simply uh, a couple of lay people in a, in, a, in a coffee shop having coffee and talking about the Lord? Which, by the way, that can be one aspect of discipleship, but it's that which flows from That's right. the Lord's day and not that which defines discipleship.
1: Or replaces it.
0: Or replaces it. Thank you. To me,
1: that's the emphasis. Yes. We're often in current discussions, the issue is not both and. It's usually presented as either or. Either you are high church liturgy types or you are low church. Let's meet in the garage or in the living room. Let's open the Bible and pray together. And that's worship. Yes. And we say that's it. And so the point is that one must precede the other. It must be that the local the uh, local church gathers together to hear from Christ in the word and to see him in the sacraments before you would scatter out to apply what you have heard, learned, and received. And so in other words, you cannot give something else out in terms of the discipleship of others until you have richly received. Amen. And what is the issue today is that we see a lot of uh, ourselves giving and exerting ourselves and so few times spent in uh, meditating, receiving, pondering, and just simply saying, thank you, Lord, for serving your church in the yes. way that you have given word and the sacraments.
0: Yes, amen. Um, an interesting little story. Uh, several years ago... In my former congregation, uh, I had uh, run into this lady who was pretty strong-minded, very opinionated. She didn't go to our church, but she really loved one of the members of our church uh, who had a Bible study, a pretty big Bible study in the community and uh, she had asked me if I'd been to the Bible study the previous week when I ran into her at the grocery store or something I said no actually I I didn't and she looked at me like I (laughs) had skipped public worship for 10 years I mean she was sort of flabbergasted that I you know had not had not gone and um, and I just thought for a minute you know it's been the idea of of a lot of evangelical Christians that real authentic Christianity takes place between Monday and Saturday yeah I've seen that recently. Um, I did a little Facebook post, um, I don't know if you saw that, about worship, yeah. and mm-hmm. one person responded by saying, you know, the real problem isn't that worship isn't strong, it's that uh, our home life isn't strong, and you know, granted, there is truth in that, mm-hmm. but they missed the entire point of what I was saying, in that mm-hmm. how can you ha- even have a chance of a strong home life if you don't have sound doctrine and faithful worship Amen. Uh, in the church? So it's not that if you have proper faithful worship that, that that's enough. Just, just the, 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 the the order and the form, if that's mm-hmm. correct, it's not enough. Yeah. You need to actually believe this that's gospel right. and abide in Christ and receive mm-hmm. it. Um, but another thing I want to mention is that this discipleship you know, is not um, going to happen overnight. Of course. Uh, we live in a microwave culture. Mm-hmm. We live in the culture where if your computer is stalling for five seconds, we get impatient, right? Mm-hmm. We start banging on the exactly. the keyboard. And, and so when we think about discipleship, we're not talking about, you know, hey, read this book on the seven steps to becoming a strong Christian and you are in, you know, you are there. <laughs> no, discipleship is lifelong and it takes a long time for a mighty oak tree Mm -hmm. to grow up, like the ones we see around here in Charleston. It's a long, these things are, you know, there's one we like to be, uh, like to to sit under over at Middleton Plantation. Mm -hmm. And this tree is said to be over a thousand years old. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it is just awesome, Mm -hmm. you know. And and, and storms don't blow this thing over. That's right. And to be a strong disciple, you need discipleship for a long time. And Mm -hmm. so... Isn't it important that Lord's Day morning and evening worship are a priority in the home? Think about if you raise a child in a church committed to morning and evening worship, and you're committed to it, and they're there morning and evening for 18 years. Hmm. Now, I'm not a great mathematician, but that's a lot of times you're in. That's a lot of sermons Hmm. you're hearing. It's a lot of singing you're hearing. It's a lot of praying that you're hearing and participating in. It's a lot of time to see and smell and touch yeah. the sacraments. It's a lot of baptisms you're witnessing. This is, a, you know, the gospel is being poured into you and the truth mm-hmm. of God's word. You know, so why wouldn't we make that more of a priority? Yeah, do right. we really see this as discipleship, as it were?
1: And that goes back to believing, do we really need it in some sense? That worship isn't just the perfunctory activity that we do because we owe God. Mm-hmm no god knows that we are a weak people and we need him and the means that he has given us for that is how we gather together and this comes up throughout your entire christian life is that your roots grow deeper the more you are fed the more time you have to hear the word to ponder the word to be confronted by the word and to see the grace of god in many ways that's That's how maturity develops and as you mentioned that there are many ways you can short circuit that process and the quickest way to do that is to cut yourself off from the means of grace that he gives. And so in a a very simple sense what I would say is that the long range view is to simply say that you never take the position that um, I can just skip various different things and expect that it won't have a long-range, down-shore yes. view. It's going to have consequences. Sure. And that means that your current growth in godliness, your current maturity, depends upon your faithfulness to receiving what God has given you. He has prepared a meal yeah. for you in the wilderness. Yeah. Are you eating it? Are you eating it? Exactly. Yeah. You'll be a fool to simply say, I can live yeah. long enough yeah. in the wilderness without His food.
0: Yeah, so... so- an illustration would be, um, let's say that the flock, uh, that the shepherd lets his flock go out and, and graze, and and um, like sheep do, mm-hmm. they go in areas that, that they shouldn't be, and so the shepherd has to gently lead them back to the, the verdant pastures.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, you know, without the, the leadership of, of the shepherds, the sheep will go into areas where they're not going to have uh, proper food That's and protection. Right. Mm-hmm. They're going to go into places where there might be wolves that are mm-hmm. waiting to pick them off, and uh, so the shepherd is there to guide them and to lead them. and 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 at night, oftentimes they'll 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 guide them back into the pen, mm-hmm. and uh, for the protection, and for the oversight, and to count them, and 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 all of these things, and so. You know, it's a it's a wonderful picture of the church because on our own, Mm -hmm. we tend to drift off into areas where there's lots of danger, false Mm -hmm. ideas. Uh, These days, we've got the wild west of the internet, (laughs) where you can read any kind of weird doctrine Mm -hmm. you know you want in five seconds. Um, So, so that's that's one thing to remember is that the Lord, as you were touching upon earlier, it's his it's his safety net for us, to mm-hmm. gather us together uh, mm-hmm. weekly, to remind us of His love for us, to remind us of of His commitment and loyalty to us, and, and to remind us of the responsibilities that we have as God's people and covenant relationship with God, uh, because we are His. We are no longer our own. We've been bought with a price, the precious blood uh, of Christ. And, and so that's important, isn't it? Let me ask you this, Gabe. In our day, uh, the Internet has become the alternative to the church, right? <laughs> we've, got, we've got evangelicals cobbling together uh, their own kind of smorgasbord of, of sp- or mosaic of, 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 of spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, why is it wrong for someone to think that they can get their, um, their fix, as it were, online and really don't need a local church to be walking strong with God?
1: I think there's several reasons. and So we've talked about this, and I think, in a previous podcast and how the very nature of that medium, the Internet, affects how you receive and understand things as it is. Mm-hmm. And so just on a physiological level, the way that you're receiving whatever teaching that you're hearing through the Internet is different than if you are physically present. But I think probably more foundationally is... One of the things that I was convicted of as a younger Christian who did the same idea, you just go online and find sermons, is that that's contrary to how God solemnly arranges Christians together. When you go to the Internet to get a sermon, what you're saying is that I'm picking who I want to associate with. And I don't want him. I don't want him. I want that. And that essentially means you are God picking out the things you want for your own benefit. And it gives you the impression that you know what's best for yourself. Whereas what God has done in local churches is that he places you, rubs arms with and shoulders with people that you would never talk to, that you would never associate with, but who God says you need to be near them and you need to learn not just how to tolerate each other. But you're called to Christian unity. You're called to love one another. And so the practical side of this is to say that the church is arranged by God for his own glory. And by having different members from different backgrounds, different experiences together, that God is knitting the hearts of Christians together who would never be knit together by having similar social things in common, similar status, etc. And so... On one side, there is just the statement that you need how God has arranged the church, and it's not your own selection to do that. And then the third thing is that there's there's a categorical difference between the online sermon, which is nothing more than just a Google search where you just pick a topic you want, press the button. I want to hear about that topic, and I hear about it, versus the pastor who knows your soul, who knows who you are, who has you in mind often when crafting applications to sermons and is able to pinpoint to you, look you in the eye and and say to you that I know your weaknesses, I know your strengths, I know when you're wandering, I know when you are being particularly faithful. And you need a pastor for that. You cannot get that online. No online person is doing that for you. And fellow church members. And fellow church members. Often, it's the opposite. When you go online to try to pick your pastor, so to speak, you're picking someone who you know cannot come to you or cannot confront you. Hold you Often accountable, for, you anything accountable you for anything you're hearing. Yeah. And that's, you know, not to pick on other things, but that's part of the yeah. megatrist mentality where you go there not because you want accountability. You went yeah. there because you want to be in the back.
0: And let's just make this very clear to our <laughs> listeners. When you hear a sermon online, there is you're in anonymity. There is no one to hold you accountable to what you have heard I mean, in that sermon. That's right. Not saying it's not I listen to sermons all the time in the car and other places, but there's no one around to hold me accountable to what I have heard. Amen. And what happens in a local church when you're a, a devoted member of a local church and you have people around you that love you and know you and you are all together hearing the same truth? that truth then becomes a part of what that church is beholden to. That's right. Um, and, and so there's a kind of mutual accountability. So for instance, you know, the pastor preaches the gospel and part of the application of this uh, sermon is that we need to love each other with our words. Mm-hmm. You know, so midweek, a couple of the <laughs> members meet and one of them starts speaking a bit ill of somebody. Mm-hmm. And in the hearts of both of them arises the conviction of what they had heard the previous week right. and together either one may rebuke the other one or together they might realize you know this is what pastor was talking about we need mm-hmm. to be quiet at least one little example uh, of the way that the mutual accountability of the church mm-hmm. or the pastor in relating with his with 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 his congregation that you know in counseling or in conversation you say well do you remember what we considered mm-hmm. a few weeks ago in that act sermon this applies to this situation does oh yes pastor you're Mm -hmm. right that's 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 helpful you don't get that if you have internet spirituality only (laughs) that's Um, right so 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 when we talk about parachurch organizations uh, they may and often do uh, provide helpful avenues and resources for christian discipleship we're not denying that at all here are we 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 love i i I love ligonier ministries Mm. you know i I love various parachurch ministries that are really assisting the church that's right not trying to undermine or replace the church
1: and that's the key is that parachurch means alongside not over and above
0: yes they they should never be adopted as a substitute for the ministry and worship of the local church Mm -hmm. Um, uh, also small groups and one-on-one mentoring while often beneficial, should always be viewed as a fruit of Lord's Day worship and discipleship and never as an alternative Mm. to it. The church and the means of grace are God's idea. That's right. So to question or replace them is to challenge the wisdom of God. Mm. And so, you know, when we talk about these things, we really see, I think, some of the problems from the modern broad evangelical church start to emerge, you know, Mm. with the... um, you know, cyber church and, mm-hmm. and video campuses and all these things that are happening that really are are disconnecting people. They're kind of dehumanizing the mm-hmm. church and mm-hmm. making it about, you know, this guru pastor who is impossible to replicate or replace. And so we make him the center of all things mm-hmm. and not the word, exactly. not the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's this gifted communicator. And uh, we need to be aware of that—that that, that our piety, our our um, our spirituality is rooted and grounded in the person and work of Jesus Christ and His faithfulness to us, and, and that, that that word which is found between uh, the the uh, uh, between Genesis and Revelation that, mm-hmm. that clearly. Uh, what we are hearing is about the covenant faithfulness of God, and that that's being taught to us, to our children, to our children's children, and that we're being faithful to do that in Amen. the context of Lord's Day worship. You know, that's one reason why we address the children, for instance, Amen. in public worship, because they're there to hear the word, to respond to the word, and and we want to uh, exhort them as well. And so. Anyway, I, I hope this has been helpful to our listeners. Um, it's a it's a it's a real issue in the in the modern church, and we want to be careful uh, at at Christ Church to have uh, the right kind of balance and emphasis. So we we are starting small groups. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, why don't you tell our listeners what book we're 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 doing? And I think we're starting six small six small groups. Six, I think that's correct. Um, around the Charleston area. So if you're listening to this and you're not a member and you're not um, a member of one of those small groups and you're a member of Christ Church, we encourage you to to get involved in one of them. But uh, Gabe, tell me tell us a little bit about the uh, the book that we're we're studying.
1: Sure. so we are uh, reading through a book named Maturity from Sinclair Ferguson. And in some ways it's similar to the type of book that the men are going through through, uh, men's Bible study called Following Jesus, the Essentials of Christian Discipleship. But the basic difference is that uh, Sinclair Ferguson has a longer picture in view here, meaning you've already come to Christ, you're already committed to the church. And so the question then becomes, now what? And essentially, how does a Christian go from infancy to maturity or adulthood? And the reference really in the book that comes to mind often is the book of Hebrews that speaks about how that particular congregation had many different struggles and temptations, but a phrase always keeps coming up is that we need to lay aside the elementary doctrines of the faith and press on towards maturity, towards weightier, meatier sort of things. And that means that for us as Christians, um, it's the same basic call that there are. There's a necessity to, as a young child, to to receive the word with earnestness. But then the scriptures always say to press on towards maturity, to not stay at. So as Paul was saying in Philippians, forgetting what lies behind, and pressing forward to what lies ahead. Mm. And that means there's a forward arc and direction towards what the christian life is about and so the goal of the book is to hammer that point home that it's not optional for the christian to stay at the same uh, level of understanding Mm. piety godliness and even habits as they did when they first were converted and came to the lord the expectation is that when a brother or sister in christ has received the word has been hearing the script hearing the word reading the scriptures uh, being active and faithful and receiving the means of grace we expect there to be progress in the christian life towards maturity and to me what's exciting about the book is so far one of the aspects that uh, dr ferguson points out is you can think of jesus as both the one who is our savior the one who clearly has paid for our sins with his precious blood. But the other point is, according to the book of Hebrews, he's also the model of what maturity should be. Meaning that Jesus matured from childhood to, you can say teenage years, so to speak, through adulthood. And so if Jesus himself had to mature, then surely those who are his brothers and sisters, those who are united to him by faith, must also mature. And Jesus, therefore, is the prototype and example and model.
0: Yeah, he's the the, the ultimate Christian. Exactly. Right? The <laughs> ultimate Holy Spirit-filled uh, Christian, as it were, um, mm-hmm. if we speak sort of anachronistically like that. Um, Paul's ministry, the, the apostles' ministry, mm-hmm. was all about the maturity of God's people, um, mm-hmm. making disciples doesn't mean just getting people converted. That's right. As we were just talking about, it's a lifelong um, uh, process uh, of sanctification. And so, so, so Paul declares in Colossians 1 Him we proclaim, that is, Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present, not most people, everyone, all. that we all. may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Mm -hmm. This is why, you know, the word is uh, agonizomai in in, in the Greek. It's He's agonizing. Mm -hmm. He's toiling over these these dear Christians whom Christ died for. And his toil is not simply that they would be comfortable Mm -hmm. or, you know, just simply brought into the kingdom uh, Mm -hmm. only then to live their life like unbelievers. No, it's to... To see them grow and to mature, you know, what's the exhortation at the end of, end of Second Peter. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not a suggestion. We're called to grow in the Amen. soil of God's grace and truth, and and by His Spirit. And so, so it's 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 this maturity that He is aiming for in the lives of God's people. That's why He toils and struggles, and that's what every pastor should toil and struggle for. Amen. Not to entertain uh, the goats. <laughs> but to uh, disciple and to mature the sheep through God's means of grace by his Spirit, which he has promised to bless in the lives of his elect. And so this is what God's purpose is for his church, to see them mature, and it should be our our purpose as well. And so uh, this book, uh, we want to commend it. Uh, Some of you listening to this who are uh, not here in Charleston with us, and you might be interested in this book, it's called Maturity, Growing Up and Going On in the Christian Life. Uh, written by uh, Sinclair Ferguson, uh, published by the Banner of Truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, you should you should pick that up. Well, this has been a wonderful uh, conversation. Uh, we, we do want to commend small groups. Um, we see it as a wonderful extension of, of biblical discipleship in the life of our church. Uh, we commend morning and evening worship on the Lord's Day, uh, where the means of grace are set forth week after week, where the gospel is proclaimed, and uh, where God's people are fed and nourished uh, by the Spirit on the Word. And so come and join us for that. And uh, we look forward uh, to being with you next time on Between the Times. (laughs)